Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, um, I'm really excited because I'm talking to a, a, an amazing athlete, John Brockington. And John Brockington is a former American football running back, and he was in the National Football League's Green Bay Packers. My husband is so jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a first-round draft choice for the Ohio State University. And I know I have some Buckeye friends out there. And he was the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year in 1971. One, so welcome to the show, John. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I, you know it's so exci- you know my husband is a big football fan, and I you know I watch the Super Bowl and I watch some different things, and and you know this last Super Bowl game, I was just like, oh my god, I think I might really like football now based on that last game. It was very exciting. That was, yeah, I didn't watch it because we didn't like anybody in it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I watch it for the commercials. I'll admit, no. <laughs> but we all put money on. You know, we I bet on Seattle because, you know, I've been to Seattle more than um, New England. That's how I vote. But uh, anyways, well, well, um, tell us a little bit about um, you've had a kidney transplant. And, and I want to, uh, you know, understand how you learned about you had chronic kidney disease. Oh, okay. So let me see here. We're going back a ways. Okay, so I was starting to show symptoms that I ignored about a year before I found out what I had. Okay. So, um, you know, I was getting edema in my ankles and um, um, really fatigued, really tired. You know, my legs felt like they weighed 200 pounds a piece, and I just couldn't move fast if I wanted to. Did you have high blood pressure, anything that you were aware of? Not that I was aware of. You just kind of your legs. I mean, it is. When you have that, like, elephant-itis, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, you're, you're a... a, a, a you know, an athlete, and you know what it's like to be light on your feet and not being able to um, move must have been a, a big, big change. It was a big change. I mean, it's not to, you know, I mean, I just, if I walked up 15 steps, I was out of breath. And I was like, what is going on? You know, I mean, this is nuts. I mean, I know I haven't worked out in a while, but, you know, I shouldn't be this tired. And, um, but that's what it was. I mean, I had serious you know, um, anemia, but didn't know until after all this, you know, revealed itself. Right. The edema. Yeah. The edema is just overwhelming. Now, did you, um, did you like just ignore this for a while and think it would go away? Like maybe you drank, ate too much salt or. Yeah. I mean, I ignored it because it would go away, you know, it would come and go, you know, because I wasn't, you know, I guess it was just starting at that point. So it would come and go. I'm thinking like, why were my ankles swelling like this? You know, and then I, couldn't go to the bathroom, then I hey, went too much, and then, you know, pain hit. And so, I mean, I got, got to the point where people from church said, okay, we got to get you to a doctor. Because, I mean, I just thought maybe I had waited too long to go to a doctor, and I had cancer, and I was dying, you know. So I get to the doctor. <laughs> so denial is a good good thing, right? Denial, right? <laughs> it's not a river in <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I got there, the guy examined me and said, well, you know, I really don't see anything wrong with you, but, you know, your stomach is a little distended. But listen, why don't you go upstairs and take a blood test? And I almost didn't go because I hate needles, and it's going to have really little veins, and um, they always stick me two or three times, and they're going digging and everything. I know. And I almost didn't go, but I said, I better go. And so I went up there, 
And then the next day, they called me and they said, listen, you're in chronic renal failure and your potassium is so high, you could have a heart attack any minute. I said, okay, wait a minute. I have never been that sick like that. Why don't you run that test again, okay? And they ran it again. They said, you get, through the doc- you get to the hospital right now and go through the emergency room. They are waiting for you. <laughs> wow. I've, I've had a high potassium. My heart stopped for six minutes from a high potassium. That is nothing to mess around with. Oh, man. See, I had no idea. I mean, I, I didn't know what potassium was. Well, you know, basically potassium is when your kidneys don't filter, a, a high potassium is basically the Dr. Kevorkian method. He just injects potassium and it paralyzes your muscles. So a too high potassium is bad and also a too low potassium is bad, but people with kidney disease more likely have peop- uh, you know, have a high potassium. You have to be very careful with it. it. It And it also makes you feel heavy. In addition to the edema, when I had... Um, a high potassium, which ultimately led to arresting, I felt so heavy because it kind of is, um, and perhaps that's in addition to the edema, that's why you felt so heavy. I don't know. You know I'm not I, a doctor. I felt so heavy. I mean, like if, if a pit bull was running after me, I'd have to surrender. I wouldn't even try to get away. I mean, you know, cause it, <laughs> and it affects your mind too, you know, you just like give up. It's I know. Give up mentality at that point, you know, and that's where I was. So you went to. I had no idea that potassium affected you that way. So, uh, so you went to the emergency room, and did you have to start dialysis immediately? No, no. What happened was I went there, and you know what they did? First thing they did, they put a catheter on me because the the tenderness in my stomach was urine because I couldn't void correctly, so it just backed up. And what I I didn't go to doctors because I couldn't void it. it, You know, it, it was a prostate problem with me. You know, and so when I went to doctors. He felt that distinct stomach, right? So when I got to the emergency room, they gave me a catheter. And they had to take it out slowly because there was so much fluid in there that they had to let it out slowly, gradually. Or with my, my stomach would have gone like, you know, vibrations and, and it wouldn't work right. So they took it out gradually. And plus, they gave me like three pints of blood. Wow, you were anemic as well. He said, because the doctor said, you feel better now, right? I, I said, yeah, he said, that's because you have some blood in your body. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so they put, um, so so what did they tell you at that point, like, would be your prognosis? You were going to need dialysis or a transplant? What happened next? Well, that day, you know, they just, they didn't tell me much. They just, you know, they, they put me on the catheter, they gave me blood. Then the next day when I went to the hospital, you know, again, they told me that I was, you know, in pretty bad trouble and that my creatinine level which i had never heard of was 44.4 oh my goodness and they said your number we don't even know why you're alive you know we can't explain it he said by all practical you know means you should be dead with these numbers your numbers are not compatible with life we don't know why you're here. <laughs> well, yeah, 44. No, normally, you know, like, you know, your creatinine, I mean, you have to think about dialysis, and I, I'm not a physician, but usually around your creatinine is like four or five. Right, right. That's what they told me. I'll tell you a story there. about that. But anyway, so I, went, I go into the hospital, right, and they take all this urine out, and then I'm in the hospital. And I was my first round in the hospital, I was in there for 13 days. And mm. every day, my creatinine came down. Ding, 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 ding. ding, ding it came down every day. And you're not getting dialysis. And I'm not even time. being dialyzed. You're probably just getting diuretics and it's getting rid of a lot of fluid. Yes, but every day it came down. They let me out of the hospital when I was at 25. And they didn't do dialysis, No. Huh? And, the, and they, they called my nephrologist on the carpet and they said, why'd you let him out? He said, because it's getting better. 
And then I got down to 13. Uh, and so I was in the doctor's office one day for a checkup, and this young man wanted to take his grandfather out of the country. And then I heard the nurse say, listen, your grandfather is very sick. I mean, he has chronic renal disease. I mean, his creatinine level is four. I said, four? I mean, at four, I wouldn't feel it. You know, right. I could have I could have gone out and, had, and worked out. Yeah, at four. yeah. You don't feel it. You feel the anemia more than anything. Mm-hmm. So I said, but then um, what happened was, um, and it was right around nine eleven. Uh, we were back in Green Bay. Diana got tested right before we left, and we went to Green Bay. Came down on a Tuesday, and nine eleven hit, and um, and I was on my way to Columbus, Ohio, to get you know inducted into Ohio State Hall of Fame. I know, I saw that. Congratulations! All by that the way. was all that was canceled. Oh and man! So we went to Chicago to visit some friends of hers, and the next day we got the last rental car in, in Chicago and drove to Columbus, and then I started getting sick again. I, mean, I went back up to thirty three, and that's when I when I came back they put me on dialysis then. Wow. So, but I was only on it for six weeks because you know we just waited for Diane. To, you know she was um, she worked. And um, we were matching, so we got transplanted on the uh, 28th of November. And what year? Uh, 2001. 2001. So what's amazing is back in 2001, I mean, things are changing with match, but the fact that your wife matched you to 2001 standards is pretty amazing. You you picked well, I guess, you yeah. know? And not only that, you know, she's smaller, much smaller than I am. Yeah, you're very compatible, right? Yeah. <laughs> But she, they said, you know, they told her, you're too small, too skinny to um, be his donor. Because how, how big are you? Just just to give a, a, the frame of rent well, to Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a shade of a six foot, but I was, I'm 220 pounds. Okay. And actually, when I, when I was sick, I was 240. But, I, you know, after that 13 days in the hospital, I came out at 220. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so your wife stood... She was only like 120, 115 pounds, you know. Wow. And they said your kidneys won't be, you know, able to service his body. Well, they took a sonogram and found out she had oversized kidneys. That's pretty amazing. And so when she volunteered to, like, I want to give you a kidney, um, what kind of feelings went through your mind at the time? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, somebody is getting ready to compromise themselves to save you. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, by surgery, you only have one kidney. Yeah, you have to go to surgery for you, just oh, do different things. Oh, both of surgery. She was laparoscopic, but mine was like the old saber cut, you know. Yeah, no, I know. That's all they know how to do for us. I mean, because they don't want to, you know, do a, a laparoscopic surgery putting a kidney in because right. they couldn't see what's going they need on. more room. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, it's so so the surgery went uh happened, and then what happened? What what was the recovery time? Oh well, we were we were transplanted on a Wednesday. Hmm. And she went home on Friday, and I left the following Monday. But they make you get out of the chair that night, and that was no fun. And then the next day, I think I had to walk. You know, they they get you up and moving yep. really fast. They don't they don't waste any time. And that thing, um, you know, <laughs> that thing was burning. I said, Ah, man, we got to get up and do it. <laughs> but by the time I went home, I can go upstairs. So you know, what I mean, I had progressed that fast. Right. No, that's a, well, you know, I've had four transplants, so I'm like a pro. Oh, um, it's, uh, um, in fact, you know, I've had so many surgeries on my stomach that I don't even have that much feeling in certain areas. So not that it, it's, it's, it's interesting. You just, um, but yeah, I have a lot of road maps going on. So tell us how you decided to start um, the uh, John Brockington Foundation. Well, you know, actually, I set the foundation up before I got sick. Of course, I was in the, I was in the financial services field. I still am. 
mm-hmm. and wanted to start a foundation. Um, I was going to originally call it uh, Growing Men, Growing Boys into Men. Mm-hmm. But then when I got sick, you know, I changed my focus, you know, because, um, well, first of all, one of my buddies in the office said, and this was at a time um, when they were actually doing some good, and that's what, matter of fact, I only mention their name because my wife can't stand it. Um, this organization, national organization, was doing really good stuff, right? And so my friend said, you should be helping these guys. And then uh, 20 minutes later, I had an appointment with my nephrologist, and he said the same exact thing. So I said, well, I guess I should be doing something, you know. So I came back and told my buddy, okay, let's have a fundraising dinner. And uh, we scouted out some areas. He knew the manager at uh, Roy's in La Jolla. Mm-hmm. So he checked it out. You know, went in there. You know, Roy's is a very nice restaurant. I you know. know. I love Roy's. And the food is, is top shelf. And the guy said, okay, I can close the restaurant down for $11,000. And we said, okay. Then, you know, and um, we started. So I went back to the office. I called all my friends. And the, and the medical community was behind me. And this was these were the days when, you know, all the medical reps would come to the doctor's office with their drug samples. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor would say, you know what? You need to support this uh, this this effort right here. And so you get a check for $1,000, Right. Now, that, those are the days before they changed all the regulations. Those days are over. Everything's yes. online. You're, you're out on the corner with a tin cup. <laughs> right. No more No more reps saying, oh, I can get you $1,000. I can get you $5,000. You know, that's over. But when you know, in those days, I mean, so we raised that $11,000 really fast. And our first event, it was so nice. I mean, it was at this beautiful restaurant. All the doctors were there from my nephrology group, Balboa, and um, Balboa Nephrology Medical Group, mm-hmm. and all our friends and people. It was so nice. I mean, it was like we had given birth to a new baby. We nice. were so excited. We were so excited. I mean, well, that's amazing because, I mean, you know, I started my nonprofit in 1993, and I really wanted to just help my peers. And I think, you know, more of us need to be doing this. And we're going to get your wife on the line here in a few minutes, and maybe she could tell us a little bit more about the foundation. But maybe in closing, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what your advice would be to people listening who may be in denial about not addressing their kidney disease? I mean, you know, it, it sounds like you were in so much denial that um, you might win first place. And I know you're a high achiever and, um, and you know, like the touchdown and all that kind of stuff, but this was not the time to get a touchdown no, on denial. This was a takedown. This was a takedown right. in denial, I mean, yes. Yeah, you cannot, this one is one you don't want to fool around with because, I mean, I could have died. I could just passed out and died in my house. Right. I mean, it was... You know, and all. people do, and they don't know it. I mean, that's really, you got to ig- not ignore the warning signs. I, like I always say, I'm the poster boy for doing all the wrong things. I mean, every morning I would wake up, I'd wait to throw up, you know, because my body was trying to get right. the toxins trying out. Right, to get, yeah, and, I um, And I was slowly losing that battle, but it, every day is what so. happened. So I got to the point where I'm going to stop the death because everything I put in my mouth came out. Right. You know, I know. It, it just, your body was saying, we got too much stuff in yeah. our blood. And so I said, this is one you don't fool around with. Like, you know, procrastination always is a bad idea. Get it done. Get right. it done and get it off your plate. You feel better. But with this, you procrastinate and you die. I mean, yeah. I was just lucky that people in church said, you, we, they came and got me. Right. You know, because I started missing church and, and my friend was calling the house and they said, you, we're coming to get your butt, you know. And, um, and, that, and that's how I found out. You know, I don't. I don't waited long enough 
The doctors said they approximated that I have seven days of life left. That's that's amazing. Well, you, well, it's an amazing story, and you're uh, it's such a, a privilege to be speaking to you know an NFL pro player. And who's your favorite team now? Before we wrap up, I'm still the Packers. Sure, it's still the Packers. Okay, so I'll root for the Packers since I know a professional football player now. I'm going to root for the Packers. Very good. That's okay, a good choice. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, we just spoke to John Brockington, and now we have the privilege to speak to his wife, Diane, who's making all of this happen by the goodwill of donating her kidney. So thank you, Diane, and welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having us. So, you know, Diane, I just heard from your husband a little bit about all the things he went through, and, you know, he was so... um, fluid overloaded and his potassium was high and he was basically a train wreck when he got to the hospital and one of the things I wanted to ask you because this happens to a lot of people um you know how did that impact you just seeing it and I know you know you can tell somebody to do something but they won't what what tactics did you use to say wake up and smell the lemonade you're not well (laughs) well fortunately it didn't happen on my watch John and I were friends uh, we didn't marry until three years after the transplant. Oh, okay, okay. We, uh, I'm very relieved to be able to announce to the world that <laughs> he wasn't that sick when I knew him. Uh, we had a bit of a falling out, and I hadn't seen him for 10 months. And it was during that time that he got so sick. Oh, but I wow. do think you put your finger on something that is way more typical of men, that is ignoring symptoms. And right. perhaps even more typical of men who've been athletes. Right. They think they're. Uh, they think that they can just conquer anything by exercising or doing something physical. And there's something mechanical wrong. Exactly. And I think it really shares in this idea that we've all had when we're diagnosed with something. Well. Well. Wait a minute. That can't be me. Mm-hmm. Um, in John's case, he never drank. He never did drugs. He didn't do steroids while he was in football. And I just think like many of the people who discover that they're in renal failure in the ER, he just was in total denial. Right. Couldn't comprehend it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about, he, he said that you, you know, you had the transplant um, on a Wednesday, you were out by Friday, he was out by Monday. Just give us a little brief overview of what, what that experience was like for you. Well, I have to say, I had never had surgery before, so... I also was not on the fence about this. I really believe that um, persuasion doesn't play a big role in uh, deciding to be a living donor. I believe that once you have the medical information and you know your friend or loved one needs a kidney, I think it, it takes off from there. You're either going to do it or you're not. I can't imagine trying to talk somebody into it. So... And we also believe that there's just a short list, everybody's got one, of people to whom they donate. Mm-hmm. For me, it was completely foreign territory because I'd never had, I don't believe I'd ever had an IV. Um, wow. Or a, yeah. That's so foreign to me. Yeah. <laughs> I should have called you. I know. I mean, since age two, I've been poked and prodded. I mean, since they, you know, I don't even know what it's like not to have an IV. 
In fact, when I was a teenager and I had a peritoneal dialysis and I had a catheter in my stomach for nine years, I would look at the TV commercials and see a woman in a baby bathing suit. And I'm like, well, where's her catheter? <laughs> Wait a minute. Where's that, Mark? <laughs> Where is that? It just, you know, I know it's a little bizarre. No, I, um, it, it, you know, other than it being totally strange to be talking from 100 to 99 and then waking up in recovery, um, it was much easier than it had even been presented. I was not prepared for probably only two things. One, so we were transplanted Wednesday morning. Thursday afternoon for three or four hours was incredibly uncomfortable because of the gas that they put in your cavity to be able to do laparoscopic. So mm-hmm. that was horrifying. I, I, I just had never felt anything like that before. It was also short-lived. And then the other issue uh, back in those days, 2001, was I was a self-employed writer and trying to get health insurance was very difficult. And when I did get it, it was very expensive. I believe those concerns have been partially addressed by the Affordable Care Act, but I'm no insurance expert. Um, yeah, they don't have pre-existing illness anymore, which uh, a lot of times it was very strange, but they considered some people felt like giving a kidney was somehow pre-existing illness, and it was it was. It, excuse my French, retarded. You couldn't even get life insurance. I mean, you know, but a lot of those things are uh, being overcome. I don't know about the life insurance, which I think there's a group working on that right now. But it is. It's you know, you shouldn't be penalized for donating a kidney. Well, particularly because you could Google it and find out that in fact we are healthier than the general population. Of course we are. We have to pass all those tests in order to even qualify. So that was a real um, challenge, but. I think the other thing I wasn't prepared for was the ongoing ripple effect of this. Um, at that time, I was running my own company called Grammar Geeks, and I, John did not have a foundation, and we, of course, were friends, but uh, it just completely changed my life. I'd retired from teaching, so 27 years in the classroom, and then um, a little bit of a writing and grammar career, and then he started the foundation. It needed a director, and it has been a constant, I don't know how to say it, blessing, I guess, that I was able to do it, that it worked, is still working, and it opened a lot of doors, including mm-hmm. putting both of us on a a parade float. Who could who could imagine that? <laughs> I know, I know. I saw you on the uh, rose parade float. Um, that looks like so much fun. The only thing that doesn't look fun is getting up really early. <laughs> yes, you could not be more correct. <laughs> and it was, I think, the coldest rose bowl on record or something. I, I do think so. I remember, and I saw you guys on the float. You guys look fantastic. The float land looked fantastic. And, you know, uh, we need to do so many things to raise organ donor awareness. So tell us a little bit about the John Brocking Foundation and what you all do. Well, we have, we're local. So um, even though I think John's reach is national because of his years with, um, I'm sure he mentioned the Ohio State Buckeyes winning yes, the national he did. championship. I don't think I have to add that piece. But between the Packers and uh, the Buckeyes, he gets national reach. But we work just locally because we know our resources are somewhat restricted. And 
pretty much we focus on the list. We try to lop it from both ends. So we provide screenings to help people stay off the list Mm -hmm. um, because, as you know, so many people have no idea they're in kidney failure until it's... Or they just have chronic kidney disease and could take their blood pressure medicine and prevent kidney failure. Yes. Yes, I mean, they, or diabetes. In some ways, you know, the two express trains—you've named them both, diabetes and uh, high blood pressure—are detectable. You can slow them down. So we provide screenings. Um, we once people are on the list, we do understand that there are some people on the list who will never be medically eligible for a transplant. The bulk of our funding um, goes into local patients. Support so gas cards, food. Uh, we partner with a food bank who offers renal-friendly packages, and we support local patients up to six months uh, out of the 12-month year for these food packages. And they're frozen seafood and frozen um, meats, so they're very renal-friendly. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that that has been a, a big thing. And we, we partner now with Bannister House, which is kind of the Ronald McDonald Transplant House at UCSD. And the other transplant centers um, have access to our funds for gas cards. Some of those emergency things, I know you must hear about them, right. where, oh, a couple weeks ago, an insulin patient, a diabetic, who uh, lives in a downtown residential hotel with no refrigerator, was walking to McDonald's three times a day to have them put ice in a plastic bag so he could keep his insulin refrigerated. So, you know, that's a $90 check to Best Buy to get a little dorm refrigerator. So we really rely on our um, social workers at both the dialysis units and the transplant centers to let us know when there's a problem like that. And how do people learn about your organization or get involved? Well, we have a very nice, brand-new, spanking, redesigned website at johnbrockingtonfoundation.org. And then our um, fundraisers, our Fan for Life campaign that we're involved in right now, has its own website. So Fan for Life is our, our the third pillar of our programs, and that is to pr- promote organ donor registration. We are kind of gearing up for a fourth thing, um, and I'm happy to announce that UCSD and Grady Children's will be our partners in this, and that's a living donor education program. Oh, that's wonderful. So, as you know, many of the hospitals are hopping on the idea of the patient needing a donor champion. Right. So that it doesn't fall on them when they're not feeling well and when it's hard to ask. So we provide that that champion patient pair with coach and that coach is trained by us and others not on medical things but on how to find a living donor and how to navigate the system and social media and all the different aspects of of how to tell your story exactly you know in closing diane i think you know what you and john have done i mean I hear of so many people's stories, and there's just a few that actually take the story that happened to them and help others. Can you just close and tell us a little bit about 
what it's like day to day helping other patients. I know what it's like. It's just, it's so fulfilling. I mean, find a job you'd volunteer to do. And if you can get paid for it, that's great. Um, but uh, it's such a, a wonderful feeling to just see somebody have hope because an illness is too demanding when you don't have hope. And can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, you see that? Well, I think it's a nice snapshot of what a transplant is. Disease donation is the only compensation for the loss of a loved one. And, of course, it's not full compensation, but it's the only victory you can snatch out of an untimely death. And I think um, it has worked the same for us. Nobody would check the box saying, please give me kidney failure. But once that's happened, I think helping others in a very practical way and recognizing that often that help is really short-term that gentleman who needed a refrigerator now has one. Right. So that took us a little bit of time to do, and now we can be off to help the next person. And sometimes they turn around and help. Right. So, for instance, our Fan for Life teams are comprised of people who used to be on dialysis or are currently on dialysis but hoping for a transplant. And I think it gives everybody another focus and also just helps them bring good out of bad. It does. And you know, the thing is, is that when you bring people together that have something in common, we have ability to share in that the healing begins. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we would like to invite Renal Support Network down to the Fan for Life Fest and have a complimentary booth because people in San Diego need the kind of support you offer as well. Well, thank you. We'll um, look at the dates and see if we can make it. And um, it's it's just a pleasure to meet you. And John, I, I commend you guys for, there's so many people, there's over 450,000 people on dialysis and over 100,000 people waiting for a transplant. And, you know, April is Organ Donor Awareness Month. So please, you know, make sure that you, you know, you make your wishes known. There's a uh, organdonor.gov where you can go and make your wishes known if something were to happen that you could help others. And if you know somebody in need or you think you may want to donate a kidney um, to help somebody, there's a lot of resources out there and there's a living donor registry. That's a great site. So uh, this April, think about it. And um, thank you, Diane. I really appreciate your time and I look forward to meeting you. Great. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.